In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. The gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm Director of Ministry Relations for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, you know this. If you've been listening to Good News for the City since the very beginning, by the way, that was back in the fall of 2017, we have chosen to be very intentional about addressing racial issues, whether that's tension or reconciliation, ministry of all sorts. And it is this tension that is all too real an issue for our country, especially now. And we believe, most of us believe, I think all of us believe that the church should be leading the way in racial healing and reconciliation. So here we are again, addressing this issue because Quite simply, we must. Joining us today are two pastors who will share their thoughts on the recent unrest and the events that have followed and what the scriptures have to say about it and what the church should be doing about it, how we should all in the church be leading the way. So we want to talk about that. And of course, you know the drill here to get us started, get us going, to introduce our guest for the day is my good friend, my co-host of Good News for the City, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Good to see you, my friend. God bless. Thanks, Dennis. Well, you know, today we're just going to hop straight into it. Uh, my prayer is, frankly, that someday the need for this conversation is done. Not because it's not important to talk about racial issues, but because the goal of God's kingdom come on earth as it is heaven, as it is in heaven, is actually happening more and more and more. Amen. Amen. Uh, but Amen. we're not there yet. And so we're going to have a conversation uh, today. And we're fortunate, again, to have two of our friends of the show, personal friends of ours uh, as well, friends of WAVA, friends of One Heart DC, friends of Good News for the City, Pastor Bobby Manning and Pastor Aaron Graham uh, here with us to talk about this today. Uh, for those of you who don't know Dr. Manning, Dr. Bobby Manning serves as a senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of District Heights. And under his leadership, the church has grown significantly in number as well as their impact, both locally and globally. He is widely considered a pastor of the community as he leads the church to continued service to the physical and spiritual needs of the residents of the metropolitan D.C. area. He has a B.A. in religion from Campbell, a master's of theology from Dallas Theological Seminary, and a D.M.N. degree from Regent University. Uh, while he's matriculating, he received several awards and distinctions, including the Reuben Connor Award from Dallas Seminary, which honors the student with exemplary study of and ministry to the African-American community. Um, Dr. Manning, licensed of the gospel ministry, ordained at the First Baptist Church of Glenn Arden. Uh, by his mentor and spiritual covering, many people know his mentor, uh, Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Uh, while he was there, he served as special assistant to the pastor and young adult pastor. And God has allowed Dr. Manning uh, Bobby to do so many things to stand across the U.S. and overseas. Uh, he is a strong teacher of the scriptures. If you've never heard him teach it, uh, you are missing out. I will just say that. Uh, I can yeah. see Bobby right now. Just people on the radio can't see people blushing at their own bio, but it's not bragging if it's true. He said, hey, let's just cut to the point, right? So I'll cut to the point. He's a native of the Washington, D.C. area where he lives, and this is his most proud things of all the things I could say on his bio. His wife, Lavera, uh, currently resides in his three sons that he has, Levi, Reuben, and Joseph. 
Uh, Pastor Aaron Graham uh, serves as a founder and lead pastor of the District Church. He has a heart for church planning, leadership development, and urban ministry. He's a co-founder of DC 127, serves as a board chair. And before moving into the district, he started Quincy Street Missional Church in a low-income neighborhood of Boston, where he served there for five years. He received his bachelor's from the University of Richmond, his master's for Harvard's Kennedy School, and his doctorate at Fuller Theological Seminary. He loves to be outdoors, to play basketball, travel, cheer for D.C. sports teams. Uh, I'm from the Cleveland area, so I understand how difficult that can be many times, Aaron. Uh, he lives in Columbia Heights uh, with his wife, Amy, and their two children, Elijah and Natalie. So let's just jump right into it, guys. Uh, Aaron, I want to go to you first. Um, if people haven't had the opportunity to go to your church's website, and that is the district church, uh, and listen to uh, what you had to say uh, just last weekend regarding uh, what has been going on in this country, you spoke very passionately to the point of tears of, or frankly, being tired of the toll that not just uh, the virus that we talk about a lot, COVID-19, has taken in general, uh, but specifically a deeper virus of racism and how it's happened upon people of color. Uh, about the recent killings of black law enforcement officers and ordinary citizens. And you made a call, uh, rightly so, to mourn and lament. So let's just start by what's going on in your heart right now. Uh, you are, for those people who maybe don't know you personally or haven't seen your bio, see your picture, uh, you are a white man. Uh, your father, two, however, uh, kids that don't share the same color. You're there, black children. Uh, and you pastor a diverse church. Uh, that that has to bring up many things that are passionate, as you obviously said last week, and uh, want to share some of that now, if you could. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian, for having us on, and I'm totally honored to be on here with Pastor Bobby, and uh, he has an incredible ministry, and I'm learning so much from him, and so excited to see how the Lord works in our time. Um, but just to the question of how I'm feeling, I think um, I'm feeling probably, like a lot of people, a range of emotions, um, probably every one of them. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling sadness. I'm feeling anger. I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling shame. Um, I'm feeling a, a bit of gladness and thinking that this could be a turning point um, in our nation and maybe even for the church um, because so much, so, so much attention is being put on this now. Um, but I think I'm mostly um, feeling sadness and hurt um, from my African-American brothers and sisters um, in this city, in this region, and in our church. Um, you know, I think that for many of us who are white, like myself, uh, we can feel overwhelmed in our emotions. Um, but white America right now, I think, is seeing the pain that African-Americans have lived with for 400 years in our country. And, um, and I know that for some people, it, it sounds like talking about race and racial justice is making the problem worse, as if we, when we talk about it, we're not moving beyond it. Um, but I think that the reason that we have to talk about race and why I'm so glad you guys talk about racial reconciliation and racial healing is um, because we, particularly in the white church in America, have not understood our history, um, the history of slavery, the history of segregation, the history of Jim Crow, the way uh, that that manifests even today um, in systems and structures. And so I think that we have an opportunity as the church now to go beyond just, I have a, a, a friend who's another person of color and we get along to saying, actually, how do we dismantle the racist systems that we might ne not necessarily cre have created, but we are indirectly or implicitly continuing to perpetrate um, in government and healthcare and education. And I think that's the real teachable moment, I think, um, for folks that look like me. 
um, yeah. it's too easy to walk away from these issues or walk away from them once the kind of news and the protests die down. So I'm feeling overwhelmed, I think, like many people. Man, so Bobby, I, I want to turn to you. Just because people are in the same storm doesn't mean they're in the same boat, right? And there's that statement that comes out, we're all going through the same storm, not even close, even the same storm. Our circumstances aren't the same. And as much as you have maybe uh, in some ways in common with Aaron, there's a lot of different circumstances. You as a, a pastor uh, of a predominantly black church, you are a black man, you uh, have a three sons who are black, your wife is black. So you're going through a storm, obviously, but your scenarios and your boat doesn't look the same as mine or anyone else's. Talk to us a little bit about your heart, if you could. Well, first, let me say thank you so much for, again, for allowing me. Uh, I share the sentiment of uh, Pastor Aaron of uh, being able to have this dialogue with you, Brian and uh, Dennis, but also uh, Aaron, um, what, what, a, what a great leader you are in our city. And I um, want to say thank you uh, for, uh, for your strong stand. Uh, to answer your question, Brian, um, I, I'll answer it similarly, even though it's not the same to how Aaron um, answered it in this sense that um, I just... I feel a range of emotions and, um, and I feel, um, so it's, if you feel crazy because the, the, the range is so large. Um, of course I'm mourning. Um, I think one, one thing that, uh, I believe white America should understand about black people is by and large black people identify with black people as if we are family, even if we are not. And so, um, and so when we call each other brother, it's, it's, it, there, it's something inherent um, and something that is ingrained in our psyche. Um, there is a camaraderie in black, um, in, amongst black people that maybe is not the same amongst whites. And so when we see George Floyd die um, at the hands of police, we see our son, we see our father, we see our brother um, in ways that we probably can't explain, but we feel very, very deeply. Um, and so um, that's why many have said, hey, how would you feel if someone killed your family member? What, what, what would you do? How would you respond? Would your, what would your visceral response be? Um, and it, it may be hard to understand that because that's how we feel about someone. Uh, maybe we've never met, but we, we identify with. Um, I've, I feel tired. Um, as a leader, um, trying to navigate a church through the COVID pandemic, we weren't expecting to have to also navigate a church through the racism pandemic as well. Um, and so there's there's that part. I'm, I, I feel afraid, as you mentioned. I'm I'm a father of three amazing sons, um, and I love my sons dearly. My sons are young. My oldest is eleven, almost twelve. Uh, I have a, a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. I had to have the talk with my kids for the first time last week. And that was heartbreaking and painful and difficult to even explain to kids who won't be driving for five years, um, at least, uh, that when if you ever get pulled over by a police officer, this is what you do. Um, and, and having to explain to them what they're saying on the news because, you know, they like, we're a close-knit family. And so when we watch TV, they watch TV. And so if we're watching the news, they're watching the news and they want to know what happened to that guy and why did he die? And, and why did the policeman kill him? And maybe I don't like police yeah. because it seems like police are always hurting somebody. And, and I have to walk them through those conversations mm -hmm. it's hard and and so it's all of these mixtures of issues 
And it is uh, one of the things you mentioned, Bobby, just having different experiences. And you talk about the talk at such an early age. I remember walking through this with a, a pastor friend of mine, and we were doing some teaching together on racism. He was African-American. Uh, I'm not. Uh, and he just asked the mixed group of crowd, how many people here have had the talk with their children about how to respond when they pulled over? Uh, and the reality of it was every single person that represented a minority had had that conversation who had kids of a particular age. Uh, people who were not the minority majority like me, it was more like two out of 10. And of those two out of 10, they were related police officers. Uh, there, it, was, it was different in that way. And, and so we have different experiences and anyone who doesn't wanna say that or doesn't wanna admit that is not living in reality. And, and so just like Pastor Aaron last week, you, you opened up scripture and you preached and you went to a section of Luke chapter four where Jesus opened up the scroll and he, he brings from this idea where he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news, that the gospel, right, to the poor. Um, and you went on. Could you, could you break that down? Maybe unpack that scripture and how it applies for us today. Sure. I believe that we as Christians um, need a biblical theological uh, perspective of who Jesus really was and what the gospel really is. Um, I feel like I've heard so many people of all colors, but, but primarily well-meaning white Christians say to people, well, if you just preach the gospel, what people need is to know Jesus and go to heaven. Um, and, 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 I read Luke 4 and I say, hey, wait a minute. Yes, the, Jesus died so that we could go to heaven, but Jesus lived so that people who are marginalized could be benefited and reached by his ministry. Um, and and I, I believe we as Christians, what I said on Sunday is that we talk a lot about why Jesus died, but I don't think we talk enough about why Jesus lived. And Luke 4, in my opinion, this is, this is Jesus's opening statement of his earthly ministry. And he, in the scroll, he was handed the scroll of Isaiah and y'all, he could have turned to Isaiah nine where the promised Messiah was born, or he could have turned to Isaiah 53, uh, where the Messiah is a sacrificial servant who is bruised for our, wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. But he decides instead to turn this to Isaiah 61, which identifies that his ministry is to the poor, captive, blind, and oppressed. And I think we forget this part of Jesus that uh, that ministers directly. He went directly to those who were pushed to the margins of society. And this is the Jesus that that we follow. That I was going to say I follow, but no, it's the same Jesus that you and Aaron and all of us. This is the Jesus of the Bible. And mm -hmm. to to preach a Jesus that wants us to go to heaven, but not a Jesus who wants his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven is a is a misrepresentation of who the true Jesus is. And so um, so the message is called the whole gospel that we I want us to make sure that we get the whole gospel and, and really talk about who Jesus really is. Yeah, and I do encourage our listeners to go and to um, to look it up. Uh, it's District Heights, First Baptist Church of District Heights. You can find it there in that way. You know, Jesus himself says in John chapter 10, verse 10, I came that you might have life and life to the full. And when you understand that it's original language, he wasn't saying I came so that someday you could have life and life to the full. That you just get through this life to get the golden ticket, so to speak, at the end of heaven. And then you could have all of these sort of things. And, and Aaron, you find yourself in a unique position from the standpoint of, uh, I don't know if this is the proper way to say it, but I'm going to try this anyway. Uh, you have a, a unique foot in both worlds. Uh, of what it's like for your children to have experiences that you don't have, 
uh, for you to have experience that your children don't have in your church be one uh, that represents the body of Christ. Frankly, the way it's going to look like when everyone's standing around the throne in Revelation, uh, we talk about in the future, it, it's going to look like the world, not like how oftentimes we segregate into areas or communities. That's a discussion for a different time. But you have a, a type of church that looks that way. Uh, when when you talk about this idea of, of racism and what we can do in terms of learning uh, about statements and actions um, that that reflect our history and how we can then uh, speak into our history and speak into the truth that Jesus wants to bring and move forward. Uh, could you, could you help us that maybe have not heard you speak about that before about some key issues that, that would be important to know and to live and act on? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think for the white church, this is an important time for us to lament. Um, and I know that I lead a multiracial church, um, but I'm really speaking to, to white Christians in particular here. And I, and I feel like God has, put some of us who kind of straddle both worlds to be these bridge builders because we've got to be able to speak the truth in love. And, um, but I think this is a real time for us to lament, um, to weep and to grieve. And we, we, there's a lot of scriptures um, that talk about that. The psalmists um, talk about that. But I think typically as white people, we can become defensive um, when things like this happen. We can, we can say, hey, what about our narrative? What about this side? We can easily um, become more political. I fear that many of us are more discipled by the media than we are by the word of God. And so this is a time to turn to the word and to lament um, and then to listen um, to our African-American brothers and sisters and people of color um, that are speaking today. I appreciate Bobby, Bobby's prophetic words. And mm -hmm. this is the time to reread Letter from a Birmingham Jail from Dr. King. And we, we, everybody now agrees that Dr. King is a hero but not everybody agreed with that in the 60s. And there's other prophetic voices that God is, is using right now. Um, and so I encourage people to read, to read Eric Mason's Woke Church, to read um, John Perkins, to read Divided by Faith by Michael Emerson and, and Christian Smith, to read Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. There's so many great resources out there of, of biblical Christians who are helping lead the way on this conversation. So we need not be lost, but we need to learn from those who God has anointed to lead in the church in this time. So it's a time to listen and to mm -hmm. learn and then to speak out. I mean, everybody mostly has a social media page. You can speak the truth in love and help mm -hmm. shape public opinion, even where you are, not just in social media, um, but with your neighbors and your church. And I think if you do it in love, I think um, that you will win the day. And, and I think that people will begin to understand the real history that we need to reckon with as a country. And Aaron, there's so much that you said there that we could follow up on, but I think one of the great reminders for those of us who, who've listened to this show, who know our Bibles, is that the history of the prophets were that they were never received well at the time. I mean, we go back and we look at Isaiah, right, the, who Jesus himself quoted. Isaiah wasn't really accepted that much at the time, even though he was saying some deep truth. And and there's some things I think that we have seen happen that it's, it's fairly normal or so. And we've got about five minutes or so left, Bobby, but I, I would like you to kind of speak into this a little bit about why there's this tendency to have these very diverse responses uh, going one extreme on the other uh, by that maybe this issue of outrage and hurt and anger that shows up in a way that turns going from justice to moving to vengeance, right? And there's a biblical line in that way. Or on the other hand, it, this just so overwhelming, I'm going to stick my head down into the sand, be the proverbial or metaphorical ostrich and act like this isn't happening. Why do you think that people, at least in your uh, experience, expectation, have those uh, diverse reactions that we're not critiquing right now, those reactions, we're saying they're real. Why do you think that happens though? I can't say, uh, Brian, as, as far as one end of the spectrum, I can say um, why uh, that why it goes to one particular end of the spectrum though, is, is that people of color are fed up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and in many cases, I'm sorry to say, uh, we, I, I, I hate to say it this way because I, I don't want to sound combative. It's like many, the cry of the community is, hey, we tried it your way. We tried to be peaceful. We tried to kneel for the anthem. We tried it without, without conflict and you didn't like that either. Um, and so uh, I, I said on Facebook, you know, that, um, you know, we in many ways um, would prefer just folks not be dismissive of visceral mm-hmm. reactions. Um, yeah. not, say, not saying at all that it's right. Sure. Um, but when, you're, when your spouse yells and screams, it is not because they think yelling is going to solve anything. <laughs> it's because they don't feel like they're being heard and loved. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's important for, for one side, as far as the other end of the spectrum, I think it comes from the same place as I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. So I'm going to turn off the TV. I need to rest from this. I need to, I need to. Uh, and so for, from the black community, I would say the, the, the span in response has, is, is either, man, I can't take it anymore. So I got to do something or I can't take it anymore. So I got to turn it off. I can't take yeah. it. And thanks for just uh, being real and raw. And thanks, as we all understand that none of us, one individual, have the answers to everything. That's why we're conscious and we got to turn to Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct us. And, and Aaron and Bobby, you're both pastors. Bobby, recently I'm connected with you on social media, so I have a chance to, uh, to kind of poke into your life a little bit. Maybe that's not the right term. Drop into your life is a better term uh, and, and get a chance of what you're sharing, at least from a social media aspect of where God's leading you. You shared some tangible, specific things about what you think people can be doing right now. And you and to encourage and emulate Jesus. Could you share maybe uh, one or two in the last couple seconds, and then Aaron maybe one or two for you as well? Sure. Aaron mentioned one of them is just educate yourself, read. I, I, I concur with every one of the resources that he mentioned, and 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 challenge any one of our our my my white friends to to pick up those resources. Um, and with that education, I would say use your voice. Um, mm-hmm. I truly believe as much as we um, are people of color are um, are preaching, are moving, are demonstrating uh, that in order to to tear down uh, a, an establishment that was not that that was built uh, for the benefit of white people, we need white people to help us to tear it down. I believe that or I should say white people play a major role in helping us to tear it down. And so I, I've challenged many of my white pastor friends, which I have many. I say, hey. Are you preaching about this? Because the next Derek Chauvin is, is sitting in your pews and they need a, a, a sermon from their pastor. Um, because if their pastor doesn't talk about it, it probably means that they probably can assume that it's not in the Bible and it's not important. And yeah. so I'm saying to everybody, hey, use your platform, whatever platform you have, preach sermons, write blogs, uh, do podcasts, whatever platform you have, use your mm voice um and then use this opportunity to build your relationships with your black friends we are not okay and so just use this this opportunity to call check on your black friends learn from us but also check in on us and build the relationships because it's through those relationships that we um that we grow and connect aaron in maybe 10 15 seconds anything you feel like you feel like hey this would be really good to add to that process i know bobby covers most of it really well but yeah just uh amen amen to bobby use your voice use your platform and and listen and lament with those understand the stories of people uh african americans have much different experience with law enforcement than white Mm -hmm. people do on average and so you need to hear their stories and understand what's behind the pain and the grief that we see on the streets today Guys, thanks. Uh, again, always the fastest 24, 25 minutes of my life. And we'll spend more time talking about this in the show in the future. But for Dennis, for now, 
hand it back to you. Amen. Thank you both. God bless you both, man. This is powerful stuff. Always super meaningful to us. If somebody wants to get a hold of you guys, is there a way? Do you have websites that you want to give, or should I just send them to uh, One Heart DC? What What would be the best for for folks to get a hold of you? Well, One Heart DC is always a great website. But if you're looking for uh, for us, um, I'm on social media everywhere at Doctor B Manning, D R B Manning. If you're looking for my message from this past Sunday, you can go to uh, search YouTube uh, for First Baptist Church of District Heights. Is YouTube slash Go the number two Heights, and you'll be able to get all of our content there. Cool. Very cool. What about you, Aaron? Yeah, and we're at districtchurch.org, and I'm at Aaron Graham DC on all the social media, and then we're at the District Church on YouTube as well. God bless you both. Thank you so much. Um, Bobby, especially, man, I, <clears throat> even though I'm here in Charlotte now, and I've been here since March, I've been keeping up with you, brother. I've been uh, watching what you're doing, your church is doing, um, the meals you've been taking. I've been keeping up with you on Facebook, So, and I always say, hey, I know that guy. I know that guy, man. He's doing good work for Jesus. So anyway, thank you, man. I appreciate you. God bless you. Love you both, man. Folks, if you want to hear this again, you can go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com or wava.com. Put in the keyword good news. Look under our podcast. Or again, you can call me at the station 703-807-2266. I get my messages daily. 703-807-2266. Thank you again. God bless you both. Thank you, folks, for for joining us. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of Good News for the City, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.